0: Beloved congregation, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in connection with this Eighth Commandment, I want to single out just a couple of words from the Lord's Day, which we just read. Uh, In the second question and answer, the Catechism tells us that the Eighth Commandment requires of us that we labor faithfully. Those two words, that we labor faithfully. And I want to look at that from the perspective of the teaching of the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs talks about this subject both negatively and positively. It talks extensively about laziness, and it also talks about diligence. And so we want to look at both sides of this. uh, Under the theme, the Eighth Commandment requires of us diligence, and forbids to us laziness. And we want to look first at the subject of laziness as the book of Proverbs deals with it, and then at the subject of diligence in the book of Proverbs. Now there are uh, three main passages in the book of Proverbs that talk about laziness. We read them a few minutes ago. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 11, 24, verses 30 to 34, and twenty six verses thirteen to sixteen. Those three passages they're somewhat more lengthy, and there are many single verses then scattered throughout the book that also deal with this subject of laziness. So as we look at the subject of laziness, we're going to be referring not only to those three passages but also to the various single verses that the book mention that in which the book mentions this subject. So let's begin by talking about the lazy man. The lazy man is one who does not do the work that he's supposed to be doing. And I put it that way because it's possible for a lazy man to be quite busy. He may be busy in many kinds of things. He may even be busy doing work. It's just that he's not doing the work that he's supposed to do. He's not doing the work that his employer commands him to do. He's not doing the work that God calls him to do in his family, for example, in taking care of the family's needs and in, for example, training the children in the way that they should go. He's not doing the work that he's supposed to be doing in the church of God, helping the saints and and, uh, taking care of the poor and supporting the ministry of the gospel and, and ministering to the saints in many different ways. In other words, he uh, has work which God has called him to do, which is clearly his obligation to do, and he neglects that work into, for the sake of doing work which he is not called to do, or which must or should be taking very much a secondary place in his life. And so this is also a man, the lazy man, is also one who might be diligent in one area of the work that God commands him to do, but lazy in another aspect of the work that God calls him to do. So in some way, in some part of the work that God has given him to do, he is neglecting his duty. That's the the characteristic of the lazy man. He's not doing the work that he should be doing. That's the main thing that, of course, that's characteristic of him. But the book of Proverbs also makes clear to us that there are other characteristics of this lazy man. First of all, the characteristic, one of the characteristics of this lazy man is that he makes excuses for his laziness. So, for example, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4 Solomon says this about the lazy man. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. So he's a man who, in the season for plowing, does not plow. He does not prepare his ground for the planting that's to come in the spring and for the harvest that's to follow later in the year. He, he does not do the work that's necessary for the growing of his crops in the time appointed, and he doesn't do it because he, said the, he says, the weather's against me. It's winter. It's too cold. There's too much snow on the ground. Whatever the case may be, I can't do the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And it's implied, of course, that he could be doing the work. Maybe there's some difficulty in doing the work. Farming is difficult work after all. But Uh, Nevertheless, he's taking the difficulties and he's making of them complete obstacles to doing the work. He says, I can't, when he could, if he just perhaps worked a little bit harder. And Another passage in which we see this making of excuses is in one of the passages that we read a little while ago, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. The lazy man says, there is a lion in the road. A lion, a fierce lion is in the street. Now this is a a ridiculous kind of excuse, isn't it? When you think about that excuse, you say to yourself, why would a man use that kind of excuse? There's a, a lion in the road? Well, maybe it's true that there's a lion in the road, but why doesn't he call his neighbors and they together take care of this lion in the road? Or why doesn't he find a way to get around the lion so that the lion doesn't interfere with his work? He's obviously using this lion as an excuse to avoid his work. He doesn't want to do his work. And so he looks around him and he finds some obstacle in the way of doing his work and he makes this the reason for not doing it. And these excuses then are to justify himself to himself. So his conscience is guilty, his conscience is accusing him of not doing his work, and to calm his conscience, to quiet the voice of his conscience, he says, there's a lion in the road, or it's winter, or whatever the case may be, he finds some reason in the circumstances in which he lives not to do the work God calls him to do. Or he justifies himself to others. Others ask him, why aren't you doing the work? His boss comes to him and says, why didn't you do this? Or his wife comes to him perhaps and says, you needed to do this and it's not done. Why didn't you do it? Or uh, the church, the elders come to him and say, why aren't you doing this or that that you're supposed to be doing? And his answer is, there was a lion in the streets. A fierce lion would have uh, tackled me if I had gone out to do the work that I was supposed to do. He finds a reason then to justify himself. This is the nature of fallen man, that in his sin, he does not turn to God and repent, but he justifies himself. He does what he wants to do, and after he has done what he wants to do, he finds excuses for his failures of duty. That's the second characteristic. He's first a man who doesn't do what he's supposed to do, and he's second a man who makes excuses for himself. The third characteristic of the lazy man, according to the book of Proverbs, is that he loves sleep. We saw that in Proverbs 6 and in Proverbs 26, I believe it was as well. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need as an armed man. This is a man, then, who who loves sleep. And uh, there's another passage, a very vivid description of him in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14, I think. Proverbs 26, verse 14, where Solomon says, As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. And you get the picture of this lazy man stretched out flat on his bed. And he needs to turn to change his position in bed. But he's too lazy even to lift himself up a little bit from the bed to turn. He turns instead like a door on his, on his hinges. He just rolls over. That's how lazy he is. And in the next um, verse, the lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. So he's hungry. He has food in front of him. His hand is in the bowl to take the food. And he says, why do I have to bring this food up to my mouth? It's a hyperbole, I think, that Solomon is using here, an exaggeration. But nevertheless, the point is, this is a man who doesn't want to exert himself, who loves rest, who loves sleep, who loves inactivity. But there's another side to this love that this lazy man has. He not only loves sleep, but he loves frivolity, and he loves pleasure, and he loves the things that are uh, relatively idle. So in chapter 14 verse 23, chapter 14 verse 23, Solomon says uh, Uh, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to to poverty. This is a man who loves idle chatter. It keeps him away from his work. And I'm sure you've all seen these kinds of people at work, at your jobs. People who find reasons to get away from their work by talking to their fellow workers. But also in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 17 Proverbs 21, verse 17. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. He's a lover of pleasure. That is, he has certain things that he wants to do. These things are not the things he is supposed to do. And he does those. He loves pleasure rather than the work that God has given him to do. And he finds reasons to do those things rather than the things he should be doing. And then in Proverbs 28, verse 19 as well, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. He likes the frivolous. He wants to play games. He wants to enjoy himself. He wants to be out water skiing or swimming or, or whatever it may be. He wants to be playing games on his computer, perhaps. All those kinds of things. He loves frivolity. And because he loves frivolity, he does not do the work he is supposed to be doing. So those are the three characteristics of the lazy man that we see in Proverbs. He's not doing the work he's supposed to be doing. He may be working, but not doing the work he's supposed to be doing. He makes excuses for himself, and he loves sleep, and he loves frivolity, and he loves pleasure. There are certain other characteristics that Solomon also ascribes to the lazy man that are um, not so obvious as these uh, three characteristics which we've just identified. One of them is that this lazy man has desires, and desires that go unsatisfied because he is lazy. His desires may be good desires, but because he's too lazy to exert himself for the satisfaction of his desires, he has nothing. Chapter 13, verse 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. He has desires. And because his desires are not followed up, with the work that is necessary for the satisfaction of the desires, these desires become greed and covetousness. That's also very clear. His desires may be in themselves, considered out of their context, right desires, proper desires, a desire to earn a living for his family, but he's too lazy to go get up and actually do the work of earning his living for his family. And so his desire to support his family becomes covetousness, and he, he falls into sin, he falls into greed, he falls into covetousness, he falls into using unlawful means to achieve the satisfaction of his desire. If you go on in chapter 13, verse 11, notice what Solomon says there, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. And then again in 21, verse 6, chapter 21, verse 6, getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Or in chapter 25, verse 26, A righteous man, excuse me, that's not the right verse, Uh, chapter 21, verses 25 and 26, chapter 21, verses 25 and 26, the desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long. So this is a man whose laziness actually leads him into covetousness. And he uses then unlawful means to satisfy even perhaps lawful desires. He's called a covetous man. And a covetous man is also an idolater, according to the scriptures. So that's a characteristic. He's covetous and greedy. A second characteristic in this category of not so obvious characteristics is that he's hasty. I don't think either one of us has any one of us has particular problem understanding that. He's a man who because he's lazy wants to get the job done as quickly as possible. If he has to work, he works through the job as quickly as possible, being careless, not paying attention to the details, just getting through it as quickly as he can so that he can be done with it. He's hasty in his work. And so we read in Proverbs 21 verse 5 The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. In other words, this this man who is hasty is contrasted with the diligent. That's how you get to the laziness here. He's a hasty man, but he's hasty because he's lazy. And he's therefore condemned. And in Proverbs 28 verse 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. So he's hasty, he's covetous, and in third place, he's wiser in his own eyes than seven sensible men. Proverbs 26, verse 16 The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So people come and try to talk to him about his problem of laziness, and he has all the reasoning, and all the excuses, and all the explanations, and all the answers that justify him in his laziness there's no getting through to him. Seven sensible men come to explain to him his laziness and he will not hear even one because he has found himself to be wiser than all seven put together. I think that's a kind of brief summary then of what the book of Proverbs has to say about the character of the lazy man, but the book also talks about the results of this lazy man's laziness for himself and for others. And you see that, uh, the, the results of this for others, in Proverbs 10, verse 5, for example. Proverbs 10, verse 5, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Here's a son who who sleeps during harvest, that is, who sleeps when he is supposed to be working. He is a son who causes shame to his parents. His parents are embarrassed and ashamed because of his laziness. In the second place, he is one who is a, a tremendous irritant to anyone who depends on him for the work he's supposed to be doing. That's in verse 26 of chapter 10. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. So this man is someone who has been hired to do an errand. He's been sent out to do it. He goes out to do it. And he takes far too long about it. Or he he comes back very quickly with the errand half done. He does it carelessly, in other words, and he becomes to the man who sent him then like smoke in the eyes and like vinegar to the teeth. He's a a tremendous irritant to this man. The man would say to himself, I should have just done it myself. It was was not worth my while to uh, get this person, this lazy man, to do this. All I did was get smoke in my eyes from his way of handling My affairs, and a similar kind of statement. Then I think in chapter fifteen, verse nineteen. Chapter fifteen, verse nineteen. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. Now you could take that in two ways. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns. That might be mean that it's like a hedge of thorns to himself. That is that. Uh, as he continues in his lazy ways, his, his ways become more difficult. Troubles begin to beset him on the way. Exactly because he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, his, his troubles multiply on the way. And it becomes for him, his way becomes for him, like fighting through a hedge of thorns. There's all kinds of obstacles and problems and so on. And he may even then use these new obstacles caused by his original laziness to increase his laziness rather than recognizing his sin. But this could also mean his effect on others. You depend on this man, and some of you at least have had this at work, You depend on this man for work that he has to do to get your own work done. And he has to finish his work before you can do your work. And and he's not doing his work. And so he becomes like a hedge of thorns to you. You have to fight your way through to try to get your own work done because this man is becoming an obstacle to you through his laziness. He's like a hedge of thorns to you. And one more passage In Proverbs 18, verse 9, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. I think what Solomon means by that is there are people who are deliberately destructive. They take a dislike to you and they try to undermine your work or destroy your work or prevent you from doing your work. They're deliberately destructive. The lazy man is not deliberately destructive. It's just obstructive and destructive because he's lazy. He's not doing his work. He doesn't mean any harm to you directly. He's too lazy even to think about that kind of thing. But he's brother to the destroyer, the deliberate destroyer. The effect is the same. He's really in the same class as that man who is deliberately uh, and um, willfully destroying your work. So that's his effects on others. But he also reaps judgment for himself. We read a few minutes ago in Proverbs 28, verse 20, that the lazy man will not be unpunished. He who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. And the judgment that most often uh, is spoken of in the book of Proverbs is the judgment of poverty A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. This is a man who will be hungry. 19 verse 15. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. This is a man who will beg in the time of harvest chapter 20, verse 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter, he will beg during harvest and have nothing. This is a man who may suffer these consequences in this life, though that's not an invariable rule. There are plenty of lazy people who have found ways to batten on others, to live off the government and to live off from their churches, perhaps, or to live on their families, whatever it may be, who continue pretty comfortably and without hunger to the end of their days. But Solomon has the, long, the big picture in view, the long view here. And he's talking about the great day of judgment, when even what that lazy man has will be taken away from him. That's why I chose to read Matthew chapter 25. In the parable of the talents, the Lord accuses the man who was given one talent of being lazy. And he says about that man, take away from him what he has and give it to him who has much. From those who are disobedient to the command of God to work is taken away even what they have. And it's given to the righteous. For all things are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. He is a man whose estate falls into ruin. That was in Proverbs 24, verses 30 and 31. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding, and there it was all overgrown with thorns its surface was covered with nettles its stone wall was broken down he's too t- lazy to take care of his goods his possessions his estate and the whole falls into ruin and eventually is lost he squanders it simply through labor through his failure to labor and he ends up then as the servant of others chapter 12 verse 24, he ends up as the servant of others. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. So these are the the things that happen to the lazy man. But there are other things that happen too as a result of his laziness. He falls into other sins. His laziness, we've already seen, leads him into greed and covetousness. But there are other sins as well that result from his laziness. 13 verse 11, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Or 20 verse 17, 20 verse 17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Or 21 verse 6, getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. And that, I think, is perhaps the most severe judgment that the book of Proverbs pronounces upon the lazy man. He seeks death. He is a man who is seeking death. Whenever we step outside the bounds of God's commandments, we seek death. And so Solomon also says in verse 25 of chapter 21, the desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Laziness ultimately brings eternal death. The ultimate judgment then on the fool, on the uh, lazy man in the book of Proverbs is that he's a fool. He is a fool. Chapter 10, verse 5. Solomon says it there explicitly He who gathers in summer is a wise son, he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. It's definitely implied that he is a fool. And because he is a fool, he is causing shame. Or verse 24 of chapter 14. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. On him, then, comes the judgment of wisdom in Proverbs 1, verse, verses 31 to 33. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancy. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the cl- complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. He's a fool. The lazy man is a fool in the book of Proverbs. And Solomon has two pieces of advice for him, the final words that we have to say on this subject of laziness. The two words of advice are found first in chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Go and learn from the ant. Go and learn from that humble creature that gathers her supplies in the summer. Don't be lazy anymore. And the second piece of advice is found in chapter 20, verse 13. Chapter 20, verse 13. Do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will be satisfied with bread. Do not love sleep. Now we need sleep, of course. God created us as creatures who need sleep. We're not like him who does not sleep or slumber. We are creatures who need sleep. But God has not made us for sleep. He's made us for work. And he's given us sleep so that we may restore our strength for our work. So Solomon would not say, don't sleep. What he says is, don't love sleep. Don't seek it as an end in itself. Don't make it your God. And the same could be said about pleasure and frivolity and idle chatter, all those other things that are characteristic of the lazy man. God has not forbidden us pleasure, but He has forbidden us to pursue it as an end in itself. It must not be our God. Let's turn then to what the book says about the matter of diligence. The main passage in Proverbs about diligence is Proverbs 27, verses 23 to 27. And there are several things that we're going to be noting about that passage. But again, there are many single verses throughout the book of Proverbs that talk about diligence as well. And very frequently, these verses about diligence are, are part of the same verses that are about poverty and about laziness. The uh, book is very frequently contrasting the diligent with the lazy, and the end, the reward of the diligent, with the reward of the lazy. The characteristic of the diligent man is very simple, that he does what he is required to do, the work that God has given him to do. Whatever that work may be, there's, Many different aspects to our work in this life. He does that work. But, in addition, there are some key things about that work that he understands. First of all, he understands the necessity of that work. Chapter 16, verse 26. The person who labors labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. What's the point here? Well, the point is what the Apostle Paul says in one of his books, that we must labor in order to feed ourselves. And those who won't labor should not eat. The point here is that the diligent man understands That the means appointed for his eating, the means appointed for his satisfying of his hunger, the means appointed by God for the support of his family, and so on, is work. And so he does that work. He doesn't neglect it. He understands its necessity. God created us for work, not for pleasure. There's another verse in chapter 12 that gets at this from the same kind of perspective. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. So this is, here's a lazy man who's gone out and who's done part of his work. He's gone out and and hunted and he's taken game. And perhaps he's even brought the game back home again. But then he just throws it down on the ground and he leaves it and it spoils and goes to waste. He doesn't roast it so that it becomes useful for his family. But, the, but diligence is man's precious possession. Now that line of that verse is a very difficult line to translate. And I think, however, that the translation we have here is probably not the best translation. What I think is meant here instead is this, that a man's possession, or a man's substance, is precious to the diligent. A man's substance is precious to the diligent. It's exactly the opposite of what's in the first line then. The lazy man is taking game, he now has it in his possession, and he neglects it, it's not precious to him. But the diligent man puts a value on it. And because he puts a value on it, he takes care of it. It's precious to him. His substance is precious, therefore, in that sense, that he he knows it needs care. He, He not only has to get the substance in the first place, but he has to take care of the substance after he's gotten it. There's constant work that has to be done, and he recognizes the need for that work, and he does that work. But there's another key feature of the uh, diligent man's understanding of this work. And that is found in Proverbs 27, verse 24. Notice that that's in the passage about the diligent man. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For, next verse, riches are not forever. The diligent man says to himself, I need this substance. I need this wealth. And I'll take care of it, but it's not forever. He recognizes its temporary character. He doesn't pursue it as an end in itself. He doesn't make it his God. He's not one who loves luxury, who loves wine and oil. Solomon talks about that too in uh, one of the verses we've already referred to. Um, It's the verse in chapter 12, I think where he uh, says about this man, chapter 12, verse 27, it says about the lazy man, he doesn't, no, that's not the verse, I'm sorry, but he says about this man, the, the lazy man, that he's one who loves wine and oil, and he won't be rich. He loves the the things of luxury. He loves wealth. Wine and oil are, are not the staples of life but are the luxuries of life. He loves those pleasures. He loves luxuries. And he's going to perish in that. Because he has made the enjoyment of wealth his goal, his God. The rich man knows that He has to take care of the substance God gives. But he knows also that it has a proper place in his life and it's not the supreme place. And finally, it's characteristic of the diligent man that he gives generously to the poor. In chapter 21, verses 25 and 26, Solomon contrasts the lazy man with the diligent. He calls the diligent man the righteous man here. But notice what he says first about the lazy man. The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. The righteous does not take everything that God gives for himself and use it for himself. He gives of his substance to the poor, he's generous. To others, he understands his obligations before God. And so, as we consider this passage, or this uh, teaching of the book of Proverbs, it becomes very clear, doesn't it, that when Solomon's talking about the diligent man, he's talking about the God fearing diligent man. There are many unbelievers, many ungodly men who are diligent. But they are diligent in the service of another God. And their diligence will be, people of God, will end as the laziness of the lazy man ends in death. Solomon is talking about the diligence of the man who is truly wise. The man who fears God and keeps his commandments. The man who is diligent in the understanding of God's word of God's character of the obligations God has laid on him and of his place in this world. The unbelievers the unbelieving diligent man has wisdom that is earthly, sensual and devilish. The godly diligent man has wisdom that begins with the fear of God, as 1 verse 7 tells us. And so he will be blessed in his ways. Again, just as with the poor the lazy man, poverty is the first and most prominent result of his laziness, so with the wealthy with the diligent man, wealth is the most prominent result of his diligence. And we've seen that in a number of verses. It's not an invariable rule any more than laziness invariably leads to poverty. But generally speaking, this is the way things work. A diligent man becomes wealthy, or at least has enough for himself and his family. Notice what chapter 27, verses 25 to 27 say about his diligence. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. In other words, this man is one who is doing his work. And now the work is done. What will be the result? The lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. But again, Solomon has in view the long view, the big picture, and that day of judgment, when the diligent in the service of God hear the voice of their Lord saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. so it's also said in the book of Proverbs that this is one, the diligent man is one who rules. The lazy man becomes the servant of others, the diligent man rules. Chapter 22, verse 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. And Joseph, of course, is a very good example of that. He will have life ultimately chapter 10 verse 16 proverbs 10 verse 16 the labor of the righteous leads to life the wages of the wicked to sin he will be blessed in all his ways chapter 28 verse 20 so the the wise diligent man the God-fearing diligent man. is one who has the biblical perspective on work. He understands that God gave Adam and Eve work in the garden. He called them to work. To work six days and to rest the seventh day. He understands that very clearly. He also understands that when Adam and Eve fell, when the human race fell in Adam and Eve, that God cursed man's work. So that the ground brought forth thorns and thistles and man had to labor in the sweat of his brow. But he also understands that in spite of the curse that has come on his work, he is still called to work. The natural inclination of fallen man is not to work, to get away with the doing as little work as possible. The natural inclination of the fallen man is to hear the commandment to work six days you shall labor and to say, you know, that's given me an idea. Maybe I can get away without doing the work that God has given me to do. He uses the law to learn sin, to teach himself ways, new ways to sin, as Paul says in Romans chapter 7. But the God-fearing man, says, God calls me still to work. I see that my work is cursed. I see that there are many obstacles to my work because of my fall and my sin. But still God calls me to work. And I must work. I must do that work until God calls me home. So, his work then, is in the fear of God. That's his wisdom. The folly of the lazy man is that he doesn't fear God. The wisdom of the diligent man is that he fears God and does what God commands. But Proverbs 8 also enters in here. You remember that especially in the last part of Proverbs 8, we have a personification of wisdom. And that personification of wisdom is fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ who says in the last verses of that chapter Proverbs 8 verses 32 to 36. Now therefore listen to me my children for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Not that instruction either which includes the instruction about laziness and diligence. Blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Christ is our wisdom. And it is Christ who says to us, work, don't sleep. Open your eyes and you will be filled with good, We need, then, His forgiveness for our sin of laziness. We need His Spirit to teach us the right way to be diligent. We need His blessing on our work in order to fulfill the calling that God has given to us in this world. We seek that wisdom which is from above, our Lord Jesus Christ, Himself. May God bless the proclamation of His Word. Let us say,